Hey folks, I'm so happy to see you. Today, we will be dismantling the romanticism of Amish and plain folks in TV shows, movies, books, and media. So, grab your hats and bonnets, hold your bucky seats, make sure your horses are well watered, make sure you have plenty of water to drink, and don't be surprised if you feel the need to have a brandy old-fashioned after this. It's time to giddy up and go. Let's start this show. folks welcome so today i'm here with my co-host james i wanted to say oh and a special guest fanny peachy and i wanted to say happy coming out day happy indigenous people's day my name is mary filer i'm so happy that we are able to be here today and i wanted to show you guys like so if you look at this this map this is where all the indigenous tribes were across the north america so I thought it was important. Happy coming out day. Happy coming out day and land acknowledgments. I am Reverend James Sports and I am on Potawatomi land. Ooh. What about you, Fanny? Would you like to say anything? Happy coming out day. Happy Indigenous People Day. Yay. Yay! Welcome, everybody. Um, so, anyways, the land acknowledgments that James wanted to talk about a little bit is that, so, for example, all over the North America, the indigenous people, they had land, and those, that land was stolen from them, which makes me ask, like, so, Fanny, you're indigenous, right? Yes. Do you want to explain what that means to people? So honestly, if you want to look at something that's happened recently, um, Oklahoma is now the majority of the state is considered native land. And that just happened a couple months ago um, because Oklahoma was one of the areas where or the area where they marched tribes to. So the Trail of Tears and with the Cherokee and other tribes were forced to go to Oklahoma because the settlers wanted to take over their land and didn't want to fight for resources. So they moved them there and then decided, hey, we found oil, we found this, we found that, we want the land back and sold it in the land runs. So just this past year, a lot of it has been given back to the Native American tribes there so that they actually have land that they can call their own. It's not going to be full on reservations like other areas, but we've got some of our land back. That's pretty exciting. I'm really glad you did get some of your land back. Yeah, the, <clears throat> the Trail of Tears, I believe, begins in Indiana. And my ancestors, uh, the Swartz family, 
like I, I should point out to everyone uh, listening that's not familiar with the Amish, uh, the Amish immigrated to America uh, from Europe and uh, were also, you know, uh, partially responsible for taking of indigenous lands. And I would really like to take a moment and, um, and acknowledge that. To this day, no Amish people have given land back to the Native American communities. Um, however, um, they are definitely responsible for being the early, among the early uh, settlers and colonizers. Mary, do you have something to add to that? I'm sorry, our ancestors are, yeah. Yeah, no. Col colonizers. There's just there's just so much wrong with that when you take people's land from them and then the trail of tears happened and it just so much like just so many people died because of it and like not only that but what happens what happened to the indigenous children and indigenous people that were forced to kind of adopt like the theologies and beliefs that the white people coming through held. What happened to them? Right, right. Well, a lot of them were murdered. Um, again, recently in the news, um, in Canada, they are going to some of those schools where they would take the children. You're not allowed to speak your native language. You're not allowed to practice your native um, religions and they are doing ultrasound on the ground around these schools and finding mass graves at i believe every single one they've gone to um they haven't done it in the u.s and i don't know if the u.s is going to allow them to but it's mass graves of the abuse and the whitewashing of these children because they didn't believe what the colonizers believed when they came over so the ones that I, I guess I'd like you to expand a little bit on what you mean when you say whitewashing, because there may be people that hear this that don't know what whitewashing actually means. So it was just that it was trying to turn them. Um, if they couldn't get the families to agree, they decided that we're going to take your children, we're going to give them to white families to the point that they would put makeup on their face to make them look paler so that you couldn't tell that they were Native. And again, you're not allowed to practice your religion, you're not allowed to practice your language, even um, the co talkers in what was that World War Two that people like idolize and they help save so many people um their language is like child speak it would be like what your three-year-old speaks and they've lost a large majority of their language from them being taken like this and it was to turn them from savages to good upstanding citizens and they decided that you know you can't be a good person if you're not christian if you're not following this if you don't talk like us and look like us and everything else and literally bred, tried to breed them out. 
um, if not just flat out kill them, which is what happened a lot with early settlers, is they would come and just wipe out tribes, men, women, and children, and kill them all. It's really terrible. Yeah, there's a there's a historical site, and I think in Pennsylvania, and they call it the site of the I think it's the Hostetler massacre, in which uh, an early Amish or Mennonite Anabaptist family had been uh, massacred by. But you know, you know, they they uh, had colonized uh, lands, um, and in my own Swartz family history books, um, it literally says you know that the tribes had been like removed several years before we you know the family settled into the what is now burn indiana uh and that's right near where the trail of tears is and so um yeah and i feel that you know over the years i've talked to different um uh amish people uh that have left and you know several of them have native american connections as in on you know their father's side, they're Amish. They have Amish heritage, and on their grandmother's side, they have Native American heritage. So um, there's that. Do you think that that was consensual? Or could it have possibly have been consensual if you have well, Amish yeah. people? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we've been here long enough to the point where, you know, uh, people are intermarrying with other people. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I, I really feel, my point is, I, I really feel that we need to acknowledge um, our own history when it comes to um, indigenous issues, and we need to help the indigenous tribes honor their treaties um, because it's up to us. Um, it's up to everybody in this country to help honor the, the treaties. And um, that is the, the first step. I mean, there, I, I personally feel there should be some reconciliation. There should, there should be some reputation uh, when it comes to this issue, yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I would echo what James said. Um, and I actually had a thought for Fanny, and that would be, um, you know, so with all of that as your history, um, aren't you part of the LGBTQ community? Yes, and I am. Go ahead. I was just going to say I am bisexual. Which bisexual people often get um, this umbrella of like invisibility because if they end up in relationships that make them appear heterosexual then they're invisible and it it just there's a lot of lot that comes with that and I really hope that we can kind of touch on that in a moment but I would like to ask you like so with that being said like how or was there anything that affected you um, growing up as indigenous and, and with the whitewashing that happened. And now as an adult, you're having like interesting revelations or like, can you talk about that? Yeah. So my family is very, very whitewashed. Um, I did not grow up on a reservation. I did not grow up knowing much of my native side. Most of it I've learned outside. I am a 
I do have a tribe card. I am part of my tribe, but my family mainly use that for like welfare stuff. Um, we got free stuff. We got free food. We lived on it a lot of times. I was very, very poor growing up, but my family is deeply embedded in Christianity and doesn't acknowledge that we're native most of the time. Um, the story I was telling you guys before we went live, I can remember being very young and like 10 or 11 and my dad sitting me down and saying, if I married someone who wasn't white, that that part in the ceremony where they speak about, um, does anyone protect? Um, my dad said he would stand up. And it always confused me because I liked the native side. I would try and research small things when I was younger and mostly other tribes and what were my actual tribe and love the stories, love the storytelling, love the history behind it when it's taught appropriately because they're amazing people and amazing heritage and my family refused to acknowledge them. We were white. We were supposed to act this way. We were supposed to do this. And my dad is very, very native looking. And it was always confusing to me, like, why are we going to treat someone that looks different than us when we don't even fit the stereotypical white person? And just almost self-hate. So my family does not agree with um, being gay, being bi, being anything like that. Um, I've had cousins come out and they were... My family didn't speak to them or my family, like I had one cousin that came out after she had a child and her dad tells her that, you know, she ruined her child's life. Because oh, I think we might've lost her. Can you? Hello? Like I was saying, like the native Americans um, consider it too spirited. If you, have a connection to both the masculine and feminine side, you were almost a holy person. And you were special because you can understand both sides of the fence on the masculine and feminine side. So how does it feel like learning all of that as an adult? Do you, do you feel like you might be embracing your heritage? Very much so. Even I have um, children as well, and I get them researching stuff. My oldest is 11, and last year for school, that was a big thing he did was a research on our tribe. And he would come home and be like, Mom, look, I found this in this book. And I know they kind of try and make it simpler for children, but, like, would completely have, like, obnoxious statements in books like even the trail of tears that they asked them to leave and they left on their own accord basically which is not what happened on the trail of tears the Cherokee was asked to leave and some of them left on their own accord and the ones that didn't were marched at gunpoint and if you fell you died so it constantly seems to correct things like correct like okay that's what your book says but this is actually what happened or this also happened because they'll just gloss over like the schools I was talking about like oh they sent them to the schools to educate them and do this and I'm like and they abused them and killed them it wasn't for just you know 
we're going to educate you so you know as much as we do. It was, we want to change you into what we are. Right. So I, I, I could add a little bit to that and that um, unlike most Amish kids, I did not attend an Amish only school. I attended public schools here in Michigan. Um, so I had a lot of non-Amish classmates and I was taught by non-Amish teachers. And, um, you know, looking back to our, our history classes, the, the, the Native American, you know, the issues were just sort of glossed over. Um, and <clears throat> one specific example is, you know, in 2017, I moved to Hawaii, which is the indigenous uh, land of the Kanaka Maoli. And, you know, looking back, I was not taught in schools how Hawaii, how it came that Hawaii became a state. There was nothing about a military coup. There was nothing about Queen Liliuokalani being imprisoned in her palace by the American military. Um, and it was only years later from talking to Native Hawaiians that I found out the actual history of how Hawaii became a state. And I mean, I feel that we're at this time in our history where we're sort of having a reckoning with what we've been taught over the years and how false that really is. Well, it's the old saying and everything, you know, the history books are going to be written by the victors. So they're not going to, they don't want it to sound bad and everything else. Even um, you were talking about restorations and stuff like that like the natives should get something for all this and um even the government doesn't do things fair my grandmother was really excited when she was younger that um some land that had been taken from her grandfather they're like hey we're gonna pay you for this now and her and her siblings were planning like what they could do my grandmother already was married with children and okay, maybe we can get a nicer house to fit all of us and this and that. They paid them what it was worth when they took it. Acres of very, very expensive land. And they got like $12 because that's what it was worth when it was taken from them. That is so wrong. Quite frankly, that's BS. Like that is garbage. Like, if you try to buy a house out in this area, it would, it is one of the most expensive lands in that state and everything else because of the oil and everything that was found on it. And it's just always ridiculous how the Native are treated, in my opinion. Even, like I said, I grew up on Native Wick, basically. We got box food. And it was sustainable box food. Can you explain a little bit more what you mean about the food? So nowadays, like you have Wick, you have other things, you have Snap and everything, and you can go to the store and you can buy what you need for your family. If your family has any like health discrepancies, like, okay, we can't eat wheat, we can't eat this, like you can pick and choose your food. Um, my family grew up with White Box. Um, we were really excited when we would get meat. Um, 
and it would be canned meat most of the time. Like it was amazing when we started getting um, frozen buffalo because it was actual meat because I still cannot eat most canned meats after we had um, canned chicken one year and we needed food. And so that's what we ate. And it was chicken in like this gelatinous substance, like an entire whole chicken in a can. And like, I have friends that love spam and always try and get me to eat it. And all I can do is smell and think about that chicken and I can't eat it. Um, Knock off everything government cheese which while it was not cheese I don't know what it was I've never seen the stuff mold I've never seen it go bad but makes the best mac and cheese I don't know why and but that's what we lived on because we didn't like again I was very very poor growing up so we needed it. If we got fruit, it was something really nice. And a lot of my family would go together and send one person down to pick it up. And then they decided, well, we need proof of everyone living in the household, which I understand to a point, but it was a three, four hour drive for us to pick up food. So it was an all day event. And most of the working people in my family, like I was a single parent household, my dad couldn't take off. So we would have to say like we live with my grandma and my grandma would have to go with my aunt and go pick up food for us to be able to survive. But it wasn't ever anything that's healthy. It wasn't ever anything that's going to actually, you know, help you grow and everything else. We didn't get vegetables unless they were canned. Um, Every now and then we got fresh fruit and you would almost gorge yourself on it because it was something fresh. And it's just a whole different way of living. That just, wow. Thank you for explaining that. That just, so if I understand right, like you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You didn't, you didn't get meat on a regular basis. And when you did, it was canned meat only. Like most you- of the time it was canned. I would say I was probably 13 or 14 when they started doing frozen buffalo, but we could only have so much of it and it wasn't enough to last until the next time we could go. So um, the only canned food that I still eat like that is like fish, like salmon and stuff like that. Cause we could make salmon patties, but no fresh meat. No, ch- it was, it was bad. <laughs> That sounds terrible. It really does. Kind of makes me think about how I feel about liver too, because, you know, the church took care of us and made sure we didn't starve, but um, we ate so much liver. It's like, I, I can only imagine that you probably have that, that same type of feeling towards um, the canned meats that I have about liver. Probably same thing with um, powdered milk. We didn't get fresh milk. Um, Like I said, the cheese was something that wasn't real. I can promise you that. But we would, there'd be more times that I can count that we would have powdered milk and be eating cereal with powdered milk. And it's, it's gross. Yeah. I'm not really a big fan of powdered milk even today. And canned meats either I'm not a big fan of those either so there's that thank you very much again for sharing all of that 
And then I had another question because you mentioned that your um, cousins came out and and your family doesn't accept them. Like, do, do they openly do things to them or do they just exclude them? Like, how... How do they treat their your cousins that came out? So one of my uncles has two daughters that are gay and wonderful girls. Um, the older one has some has some issues, but again, with how we were raised and honestly, the sexual assault that happened to her um, as a child. Um, but the older one has a daughter. And at one point in time was going through some legal trouble. So she asked her dad and her stepmom to watch her daughter. And they decided that once she got on her feet and everything else, she didn't need her daughter back. And she never got custody back of her daughter. Very, very small town. They knew the judge. They went and got um, emergency custody and never gave custody back to her. She, I think... The daughter was two or three when this happened and would only be allowed to see her daughter when they felt like it was appropriate. And if she came to church and if she did this stuff, and like I said, she's the one that, you know, they said basically she ruined her child by coming out as gay and she's this horrible person and everything else. And the other sister um, does not have children is married to a woman and she is accepted because at least she's not ruining children. Wow. Doesn't this sound a little bit familiar, James? Yeah, it, it does. Um, you know, uh, Fanny, there's, I, I have brothers and sisters and I live about two, maybe three hours away from them. And I haven't spoken with them in over 10 years. So, I mean, that's how, the Amish and, you know, by default, the ex-Amish, it's how they deal with, you know, having gay people in their family. They just shun them. Even if they leave the Amish, there's that shunning aspect that happens. And um, so since we're, since we're celebrating coming out day, I would like to affirm my sexuality. And I would like to say that I'm here and I'm queer and baby, I ain't going anywhere. So much love from Detroit. Much love, James. Thank you. I'm here and I'm queer too. So yeah, we're here to stay. Woo! We got this. <laughs> um, I think it's also valid to say that it's coming out day. Um, and when when you start talking about coming out, here's the other thing is that for people that come from cultures like that or from places like that where um, they face terrible discrimination and shunning for them it may not be possible for them to come out so sometimes we have to talk about the fact that some people are able to come out and why it's so important for them to the ones that are able to come out and openly and be themselves like why is that important why do you think that's important don't everybody answer at once anybody force yours okay i got this it is important it is important to come out because you know visibility matters um we live in changing times and rapidly changing times 
And, you know, this is putting our own Amish culture, Mary, at, you know, at further odds with society. Um, there's a real disconnect. So, um, you know, Amish kids today have valid choices. You can come out and live openly and happily with mainstream society, or you can live in the Amish closet and be miserable. This is true. And you can also reach out and there will be people that will help you find resources to their best of their abilities. Um, there are local places usually around the area, around the country for LGBTQ folks from all walks and ways of life. What about you, Fanny? What does um, the closet mean to you? So... I don't know if we've said since we went live, like I'm not completely open, like all my friends and I live far away from most of my family for a reason, but most of my family doesn't know that about me. And it's mostly, I just don't want to deal with the drama because I think it'll be something you guys understand. It won't just be the shunning. It'll be the messages, the drama, if I do have to go back there and speak to them, like, mm -hmm. the yeah. dirty comments and everything else that I just don't want to deal with. And it's not the best reason for not being open, but I have enough stress in my life. I don't want to deal with them any more than I have to. And I don't want to deal I, with what they I will think. cause because of it. That is completely valid, Fanny. You know, and valid. Yeah, I, there's a lot of viewers. I mean, there's a lot of people in, in whatever community that cannot come out because they will face rejection or hostility or they will just be in an unloving environment. And if you know that's what you're going into, then you need to take care of yourself and protect yourself first. You know, um, that comes first and, and then figure it out from there. But your safety is first and foremost. Absolutely. And mental health. Correct. Like I am able to be who I am and what I am with my friends where I live. And my friends know, my boyfriend knows, um, my close relatives that I actually like know, but the rest of them, I really don't, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to have the negativity any more than just having to deal with them on a, when I do have to deal with them. You know, you're allowed to curse on here if you really want to or you feel it's appropriate. I've been trying not to because I curse like a sailor. <laughs> uh, okay. I felt like you might have felt like using a curse word at one point in time or another. So I thought I'd give you a disclaimer. Thank you. So now, now that that's out there, we have never pretended. Look, James and I have never pretended. And excuse me, James, I'm kind of speaking for both of us. Um, we've never pretended that we are the good, compliant Amish. Rather, we are following in the footsteps of our forefathers and being apostates and rebels and making a movement that we believe in. Yes, Mary, absolutely. I like that. So that's really why we're here today is to to one like acknowledge that like some of our our history is very um awful it's quite awful quite frankly it's terrible um so there was the whole persecution that happened in europe but the thing is is that 
after what happened in Europe, our ancestors came over here to America. And what did they do? They appropriate land. Like, you know, not only that, but what happens inside of Amish communities today and how they treat like their LGBTQ folks and all of that. Like it's, there's some very unsavory parts of our history. Yes, there is. Well said, Mary. Which is why I feel like people need to understand that when you start looking at um, some of the cultures, like indigenous people, um, even other um, types of religions, um, you can see some parallels about like what happened and how it affects their culture specifically, which I, I have to wonder, like, how do each of us embrace our, our history? Because... How do we reconcile that yes. with, yeah, right, right. <clears throat> well, I think it means going against the grain, doesn't it? I mean, it really means standing up to the church and saying, you know, you're on some bullshit and that's just, <laughs> that's just what's up. That is what's up. That is exactly what's up. What do you think, Fanny? What does that mean to you? To embrace or, or reconcile your history with today? A lot of what mine's been has been researching my tribe as much as I can and learning the religion and everything else and learning everything they went through. And honestly, I love learning all different types of religions. I find it very, very interesting. But it's been really comforting the past about year and a half. I've been researching the religious side of it and learning, for one, my tribe wouldn't disown me, wouldn't treat me like my family has in the past they embrace the differences and saw the good in people being different. Um, and I am not a stereotypical, you know, good Christian woman. I'm not good at staying at the house and raising babies and doing all that stuff. Like I love my children, but I work outside the home. I do all these things that are kind of frowned upon in my family and like we have a couple of females that worked but for the most part you don't unless you have to um I have so many aunts that are homemakers some by choice some by they don't have a choice that's they can't afford not to be at home and you're supposed to be quiet and you're supposed to be meek and women aren't like I've never had a female pastor growing up. I've never had even women's group was usually led by a man. So I, I'm very similar. Like I'm embracing the native side and kind of shunning for lack of a better term, the outdated ideology because I can do <clears throat> almost anything a man can do. I might do it a very weird way, but I've had many jobs where, you know, I'm the only female working or the only female that's lasted more than a couple months at certain jobs. And 
even in, you know, normal U.S. culture, I kind of get weird looks and like, you're a female doing this. I had one guy come up to me one time and be like a girl that knows how to use a wrench. And I'm like, I can change my own oil too, dude. <laughs> I bet he was mind blowing. Was he Amish too? Because I feel like that's Amish um, theology right there. I don't think so. And I think he was trying to like hit on me. And then, you know, my smart ass mouth, he kind of just walked away. And I was working at a VA at the time. And one of the female vets that was in the room I was beside came out and just died laughing. And she's like, <laughs> put him in his place. Yeah. What do you think about that, James? I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Good for you, Fanny. Good for you. Right? Because, you know, I, I ain't picking up no wrench. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Me and Fanny will, will handle the wrenches for you, James. We got you. We got your back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. God, I love lesbians. <laughs> I'll grab the sledgehammer too while we're at it. She'll be good with the wrench. I don't think she needs help. We'll be all right. Yep. Yeah. Wow. No, the stereotypes. The stereotypes that people have or the preconceived notions that people have about even just being a woman in general is sometimes just ridiculous. Like, legitimately ridiculous. And it's funny. It's so funny. But hey, um, can we just change the topic? We're going to go over to, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of LGBTQ Amish and who James is in regards to that. All right, go ahead, Mary. So who are you in regards to that, James? So I guess I would be the first, uh, man to leave the old order Amish church. I didn't formally join. So when I say left the church, um, I mean to just walk away from the community before joining the church in, rec in recognition that the spiritual body, um, you know, the church of my ancestors today, you know, no longer serves me in any way whatsoever. Um, I feel that, you know, this is because of a variety of issues, uh, including that, the you know, the fact that the, the Old Order Amish uh, really no longer serves anyone spiritually. Um, it's all about conformity and how well you conform. Um, so, uh, yeah, I am uh, the first Amish man to walk away from the church and publicly you know, come out as gay. Uh, in 2014, I marched for LGBTAmish.com, which is a support website started by uh, Tad Slaybaugh and his husband, Jeffrey Garris. Um, they are also uh, absolute, uh, absolutely ahead of their time. Um, so in 2011, my book, The Literary Party, Growing Up Gay, and Amish in America was published, and that led to them uh, creating the website. So a little history on that. And there's a, a page on that website for our voices, for people to share their stories, um, to get a sense of community and some support. 
because that is something that's lacking in uh, the Amish, Mennonite, and Anabaptists in general. Um, <clears throat> Mary, you want to add on to that? I guess it would help if I unmuted myself. Uh, but I think that it was really groundbreaking and refreshing to me um, after I came out to um, actively start looking for. Um, James is one of the first other people that I ever met that was Exile Mission LGBTQ. And it was really beautiful that he, um, one, had already published this book and had had marched for LGBTQ Amish. And then um, I did find the website LGBT Amish. You can actually read what I was showing you guys is that you can read the stories of LGBT Amish there on that website. It is a beautiful place to just go and see um, what kind of resources that they would recommend. Anyways, again, James published this fantastic book. I would highly recommend it because the things that he talks about in this book, he does it in such a way that it can reach the hearts and minds of many, many different people from many, many different cultures, not just Amish. While it is specific to Amish, there are some things that are specific to LGBTQ folks around the world. <clears throat> yeah, I would, huh? I, I would just like to take a moment and, you know, acknowledge all the, when I left, when I left the Amish, you know, um, I knew enough to, to go to gay clubs and, you know, I was, I, I found my tribe, you know, my gay community, uh, in the nearest big city, which is Kalamazoo. And I mean, I bounced around a little bit like Detroit and Indiana a little bit, uh, in terms of like clubs and nightlife. But, um, yeah, so I mean, it was. I was hanging out with the Queens. I was living with the Queens. <laughs> I was, you know, I used to, I used to, um, uh, take, take the drag Queens to the clubs, to the bars for their show. And so we'd have to pack my car with all their gear, which was so exhausting because they, they don't travel lightly. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, just to be, to, to, to be in the environment, um, with drag Queens and, you know, a gay bar, uh, especially in the late 90s, um, was kind of magical because it was still underground. Um, this was before social media, so there was that mysterious aspect to it. You didn't really know what to expect. But what, what you did find uh, was, you know, a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds all coming together because they're gay. Um, so uh, I, I feel that... Um, I, I definitely got my my gay education early, um, and I and you know I feel so bad for Amish people or anyone today that is disconnected from the gay community because that is your support group, and um, by connecting with them, you can really feel empowered. And I don't even think that it's just empowered. It's also you can you can basically make connections that will follow you throughout your life where. You know, you have um, you have your um, your chosen family, and that's actually quite a beautiful thing. That's is right. Your, right. Yep. I mean, we yep. talk about our tribes. Our I don't know that it's necessarily tribes, but I think when we talk about our people, like 
my people now, they're my chosen family. And I actually had somebody ask yes. me some, yes. something the other day. They asked me for a picture of my family and it literally didn't even cross the thought. Like the thought did not cross my mind until they specifically said your Amish family. And I was like, well, they're not really. Oh, OK. Um, because I have people in my life, I'm I'm in a place in my life where I have people in my life that I view as my chosen family, and those are the people that I would spend my holidays with now, that I would um, go make time for and do things with, and just enjoy life with them. What about you, Fanny? Oh, it's very much the same for me. Like, I... I said, grew up very poor, grew up in a very small, close-minded area, and the best thing in the world for me was getting out of there, and I have met people that I trust more than my family, like, that I'll allow my kids to be around, which does not happen with my blood family, and, you know, my favorite thing is to correct people when they make the comment that blood is thicker than water and to correct them that the actual saying is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water <laughs> of the womb. That your family that you choose and that you have all these experiences with are more important than who you're born into. Do you know who said that? I don't. I'm, ha I'm having a moment, but no, I absolutely agree with you that the blood of the covenant is sicker than the water of the womb. Um, that because it's a bond that is forged and is created by shared experiences, and yes, it it it's really meaningful when you can sit there and you can connect with people in such a meaningful way because on one hand you have the shared like yes we have that shared trauma of you know the unacceptance the shunning the all of those things but on the other hand we have this beautiful coming together and the celebration of life that we have chosen to make for us and our and future generations of LGBTQ folks that are Amish or Indigenous or Anabaptist or, you know, for whatever culture it is that you're coming from. And I'm looking for whoever said the quote, by the way. I'm trying to figure yeah. that out. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Mary. You know, like, I think about, like, you know, when like the first times that I was at clubs and, and, you know, gay bars and like, I would meet people that had just, you know, teenagers that had just come out and were completely rejected by their families and they did not care whatsoever. I mean, they cared, but you know, it, it, they were, they were moving on with their life, you know? And I feel that that's a lot of what the mindset does is that mindset that we come from is, you know, it divides families further um, and, um, they miss out on a huge part of our lives and that's unfortunate, but that is what happens. That's exactly what happens. It's actually really terrible. It is. And it's crazy still to me to this day that, you know, you are shunned, you are 
treated badly and abused in some families due to the fact of who you love. Well, and the other part is the the not only are you shunned due to the fact that who you love, it's almost like they there is a um, discriminatory thing to where not only do you as the person who is shunned or who is mistreated um, suffer from it, but it has a ripple down effect on the on the children that you might have. Like for example, in in Amish culture, like my child can be shunned simply for the simple fact that I am their parent. Well, Mar Mary, how much how much does love play out in the Amish community? How many Amish couples do you can you honestly say are deeply in love <laughs> with each other? You know, an Amish an Amish romance is an oxymoron. Like now you're <laughs> Amish you're get married for for pooling of financial resources and land. Hello, land and farms. I mean, love does that really play into the Amish community a lot? Because you're not even taught about you know sex, let alone love. And I I, I would have to I, I really question that. You know. That's yeah. That's a very valid point. I don't that think is that heartbreaking. We don't. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. There's still there's still almost like a caste system in the in the Amish community, and you know it still plays out. You know, like when two when two um, Amish teenagers uh, are dating. Uh, everybody in the community is judging whether that's a good match or not and why is it a good match or why is it not a good match and a lot of times it's because of financial inequity and then to, to, to add to that James not only is everybody in the community judging it but basically if like you, you two start dating and you were to break up like literally if you say yes to start dating this guy it's like assumed that you're going to marry that guy there's like a there's there's like if you break up, like, let's just say that this girl and this boy were dating, and because it's a financial inequities, like, they broke up, right? Their family um, highly encouraged them to break up because it was an unequal yoked matching, right? And, and then they would, like, force them to break up, and now there's this whole other level of, like, they go down the social ladder purely because they've now broken up with somebody, and that is, like, unheard of. Like, you don't do that. That's unacceptable yeah yeah that would be so frowned upon mimissimo beta james we must pray folks mary elipidi i love you too james uh -huh. uh, so yeah but... you know you know to 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 any to any amish that are listening to us you know uh, wh whether or not you know wh what your own personal opinion is or your envi your environment chances are you don't come from an extremely loving environment you know uh, even if your own family is loving chances are the people around you are not loving beyond your family your community and i think that really plays into a lot of our our world views um whether or not we leave the Amish, you know, um, so. It, I think it does too. It, it, it very much so does. Oh, 
there we go. She came back. Um, but it very much plays into what our worldview is. I do want to give you guys like a, a nine minute warning until we end this. Um, I was kind of thinking it would be fun to talk about like, do you have thoughts for people that might hear this, whether they're indigenous or whether they're Amish or some type of Anabaptist or basically anybody, if you hear this, like what thoughts do you guys have? Well, I would say, um, I just want to say, um, you know, happy coming out day to everyone. This is why um, it's important and why it will continue to be important. Uh, coming out is something that you have to do on your own terms and on your own time. But uh, what and, and whether you know you're in a safe environment or not, um, that is first and foremost. However, um, please know that there are people working around the clock to ensure that people coming out tomorrow will do so in a more loving environment than yesterday. Thank you, James. That's beautiful. What about you, Fanny? No, I love what he said. It's just times are changing. Things are going to constantly change. You're not weird. You're not this horrible thing just because you're different, just because of, again, who you love. And there are people out there that will love you and be your family if your family's not accepted. That's beautiful, too. agree with him. Like, you need to pick and choose what's best for you and don't let other people try and tell you how you need to come out, how you need to do things, because every person's different, every situation's different. That's right. And I'd like to add to that again, like to echo the sentiments of both James and Fanny, which thank you very much. That Those are both beautiful sentiments, very well expressed. Um, just reinforce that, you know, coming out should be done on your own terms. Don't let people talk you into doing something that feels unsafe to you. Um, I have a thing that I wrote for y'all that I'm going to read at this time about coming out. Coming out day, I came out when I was too young to understand the consequences as a small Amish child to my Amish parents. The closet I was forced back into was finally shattered wide open in 2014. Was I ever any less who I am? No. I felt squashed and broken as I sat in that closet for years and years. I was so alone and isolated. My random encounters with women, a thing that haunted me. Beautiful encounters that were damned by the very society I came from. And many in the world. As time passed, the world around me changed and I was surrounded with people who openly loved and celebrate them, celebrated themselves as they were. I was inspired by them to shatter the illusions of me being a bad person for loving the same gender. I had to mentally process this with my therapist. Being LGBTQ does not make you any different other than it enables you to live authentically as you. When I did break out of the closet, there were people who surrounded me with love and acceptance. Those people are the reason I am here today to tell you, you deserve 
love, and acceptance. I trusted someone I loved like a sister to come out to. Sadly, she betrayed that trust, and I lost most of the ex-Amish people I thought were my support through everything. In a way, the secondary shunning from the ex-Amish community really opened my eyes. It's part of what drives me to ensure that others who may have some adverse experiences from Amish and Anabaptist backgrounds know that they are not alone. Whether you are closeted or not doesn't matter. You deserve to be you. You deserve to be celebrated and live authentically as you. I am so happy to be free to be me. But either way, if you decide to come out, that is your personal choice, and you should try to do that as safely as possible. Amen. 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 This concludes today's episode of Plain Rainbows. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being present. I hope each and every one of you held on to your hats and bonnets and buggy seats and hydrated. I mean, drink water, because you're surely going to need to drink water after all of that. Thank you to my co-host, James. I really appreciate your support. I could not be doing this without your support. I hope everybody has a wonderful and fabulous day.